Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're going to talk about something really key to the future of the labor market, and that's the issue of reskilling. How do you take someone with one set of skills and get them ready for a job that may need a different set? It was an issue we started to grapple with a lot before the pandemic, and I've been talking to companies about this for several years now, but the pandemic has really put it into sharp focus. Now, we have restaurants that may never reopen, so how do you take people who have skills in service, hospitality, real skills, but get them ready maybe to work in the software industry? How do you get them to want to do that, and how do you get companies willing to hire somebody like that? Because the reality is, there are skills in demand. There are companies that need labor, and there are workers available, but we have to kind of bridge the gap between the two sometimes. So because of that, because it's something I've been aware of and worried about for quite a while, I was really interested to hear about the work that my guest today has been doing. His name is Corey Kosick, and his company is called Aspireship. What Aspireship does is offer training for free online to those who want to get into the software industry and basically into software sales. So he's able to take people with sales skills from a lot of industries and give them really industry-specific knowledge that will make them marketable. And he's found a model that seems to work. So I was really interested to hear about this. I think it offers some uh, possibilities for other ways, other industries, and just as a way to think about training. It's a really good discussion. Please stay with us. Well, workers are losing some jobs in some industries, but other industries are facing shortages of skilled workers. So how can we bridge that gap? Well, our guest today is Corey Kosak. He's the founder and CEO of Aspership. Now, that's a tuition-free online software as a service training program. And he thinks making online training easily accessible can go some way, maybe a long way, to bridging the gap that we seem to have developing. He joins us now from Scottsdale, Arizona. Hi, Corey. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so much for being here. You know, I have a lot of questions about the platform and what you're doing, but you know, I'd like to start just by asking about you, because this is a, a work podcast. What's your background and how did you get to be doing what you're doing? Sure. So the short version is I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life, uh, and uh, that kind of culminated, if you will, uh, around uh, age 30, I uh, founded another company called Frederick. Um, that was a SaaS company uh, serving the small business industry um, in marketing technology. And we ended up going through some acquisitions uh, rather quickly. Uh, and part of the um, thing that I learned throughout that process, kind of going from this tiny little startup to being a significant part of a 2,000-person public company, uh, was that uh People, the, the people that were starting their careers or in the first even 10 plus years of their career um, were finding themselves that they had fallen into a certain line of work, a certain functional area, maybe a certain industry. Um, and they came to a point where they realized that that wasn't the best fit for themselves and that they could apply their skills to other things. But whether it was for an internal transfer or looking to move outside of their current company and go into a new industry or a new line of work, the hiring system had, had already filtered them out. 
And there was really no way, very little chance that they had uh, to kind of get past these obstacles. Uh, and so as I saw that and saw just how prevalent that was in our kind of hiring society, uh, as well as the challenges that companies face in recruiting great, great talent, developing great talent and keeping great talent, uh, I decided to found Aspireship a little over a year and a half. I guess it's been not even that long, about a year and a half ago founded uh, Aspireship and uh, we're, we're helping to create some change. Well, tell me a little bit about this. It's available for free to users. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So essentially what we do is the platform itself is designed to train people how to do a specific job in a specific industry and then measure their aptitude and fit for that job. And if all of those things line up, then we help them get jobs with partners who we've essentially pre-sold on the concept that they don't need to look at whether or not somebody has done this specific job selling to these specific type of customers before, um, but instead look for people who are learners, who are humble, who are uh, willing to put in the work to overcome challenges and who show aptitude uh, for the specific role. And so we've started within uh, the SaaS industry, software as a service, as our main focus, uh, and are starting just with individual contributor sales roles. Um, and that's what we're training people for. And they can go through uh, for free uh, to do it uh, within a limited period of time. Uh, and if they perform, and they most importantly, they do the work, which is the biggest barrier uh, for most people is actually doing it, um, then, uh, then they can get access to opportunities through our partner network. And we essentially make money from companies uh, who uh, pay us when they hire graduates out of our network, uh, among other services that we provide to them. Well, give me an idea who's taking advantage of this. I first read about you in the Wall Street Journal, and it was an article about the restaurant industry. I thought that was really intriguing, that people are leaving this industry, which is obviously not doing well during the pandemic, and they're looking at software sales. Is that typical? The pandemic as a whole is not typical, right? And no. so like we've we've uh, experienced some extraordinary things and it's kind of funny in some ways because we had only launched the platform four or five months before the pandemic hit. Uh, and so being right there in the crosshairs as something that is uh, um, available to help people transition in, in one way is a fantastic thing. On the other hand, as hiring was getting frozen and all of that stuff, that was a, a really huge curveball to deal with as a young business. Um, but nevertheless, uh, what we found is the people that are taking advantage of this today, I would say fall in two big categories. One is people who have prior sales experience, uh, but in a completely different industry. That could be hospitality, working for Marriott or Hilton, selling you know, corporate events or hotel rooms uh, in bulk or whatever it is that they you know, were doing. Um, uh, as you mentioned, the restaurant industry, you know, anybody kind of associated with hospitality and travel, they were massively disrupted. And so they really had no choice but to look at alternative industries. Um, and it turns out that that skill set, you know, being in front of people, dealing with complaints, all of that stuff, that translates really well uh, to a technology sale uh, with the, the right, you know, training and skill set. Um, so the number one piece is 
sales experience in a different industry uh, really have been everything from hospitality to mortgages and insurance and advertising. Uh, and then the second big one uh, are just people who are looking for a functional change. So these could be customer support representatives, they could be marketing people, uh, HR people, whatever it is. And they've reached a point in their career at whatever age uh, that they've identified that, hey, you know what, I actually think I would be good uh, in a different line of work. Uh, and I'm just looking for an avenue to do that uh, where uh, employers will give me a chance, even though my resume says, uh, hey, I was an HR professional or I was in marketing. And normally I just get thrown out, you know, even before the interview. Well, it's interesting you say, well, give me a chance. I noticed that employers will give people a chance when they can't find workers. So like they're a lot more open to trying different backgrounds. And I assume that's still what you're finding in software, you know, pandemic or no pandemic. So uh, yes and no. Um, so I think that in this industry in particular, the demand is high enough. You know, there's buzz around technology, you know, the tech companies of 10, 20 years ago are getting bigger and bigger and becoming some of the largest companies in the world. And so it's natural for, for people to want to gravitate towards that and say, hey, I see a future here. So the there isn't a shortage of demand for the jobs or shortage of applications for the job. Um, but the statistics in terms of when a company hires uh, somebody new or a group of new people, um, in their first year, whether they have past experience or not, um, the attrition rate for how long they actually stick around and whether or not they work out is incredibly high. Mm -hmm. And with the added pressure of venture capital backing or being a public company and having to answer to Wall Street and all of that kind of stuff, there's this ongoing search for additional growth every quarter, every year. And in a software sale selling into businesses, that has to come with additional sales capacity. And so what that means is even if a company puts out a job and they have two slots open and they get 500 applicants, it still doesn't mean that they have the problem solved because the numbers are so bad when they actually get in the seat. Um, and so there's a real hunger to kind of solve this problem um, at least for those that recognize that it is a problem and that it's not acceptable to have half of your new salespeople turn over in the first year. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because that's not new for the industry. It's how people get more money. They move around a lot. Is there a particular reason this industry attracts this and is it ever going to change? So I think that um, B2B sales in general, um, not necessarily just you know the tech industry, uh, has had this for a long time, you know, lots of turnover. Uh, it comes with a lot of reasons. So there's an assumption there that a lot of it has to do with people bouncing around searching for money. That certainly is a segment. Um, a bigger segment is people terminated for performance. Uh, so it's not talked about as much, but the expectations are high and oftentimes the support is low. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of being able to nurture people, guide them, and self-correct them. Um, and as more and more venture capital pours into technology companies, as an example, um, the problem gets worse because everyone's chasing the growth 
And so they're running so quickly, they oftentimes, this is not everybody by any means, but oftentimes they don't slow down enough to say, okay, how do we build this in an efficient, scalable way and support people who may not just immediately thrive in the role on their own? And, uh, and so there's, there's just a lot of that. So I think that as there become more and more people uh, like us and others who are focused on solving the problem and also highlighting the problem um, to leaders and, and helping them understand what they're actually doing, not only to the people that come into the companies, but what they're doing to themselves um, by not addressing these problems. I, I do think it will change. It will never go away. It will just be, there will be the great companies that learn to handle it. And then there will be the, the companies that just burn through a, a ton of venture capital and to the point where you know growth is no longer really an option uh, for them. Well, it's an issue with training because if you don't think anyone's going to stay very long, then why do you put anything into training? Now, does that make it easier for you because you're providing the training and it's coming from outside? Yes and no. I mean, uh, you know, for us, what we do primarily, although we do multiple things for companies, is we're providing the training up front to people they don't even know yet. Um, and then we're assessing through a process whether or not these candidates can do a job. And then companies are paying us to hire from that pool. In addition, we do provide ongoing learning uh, that uh, most of our clients do uh, provide to their teams as well. And we believe that's a critical component uh, to you know, making this work. But it's interesting that you say that if a company says, well, if they're not going to be here very long, we shouldn't invest in training. Well, if you actually look at the true cost to an organization of having a sales rep turnover, um, it's enormous. Mm -hmm. It's usually, I mean, we've seen different figures uh, thrown thrown about. I think the average is maybe $100,000 uh, costs a company every time somebody turns over. Um, but it really depends on, on the situation or, you know, what they're paying people. Um, but a lot of it is lost revenue. Uh, it's customer sentiment, you know, when they have customers currently or prospects uh, where they're engaging with somebody and then that person's gone and they keep seeing this revolving door. What does that do to the brand? Uh, there's the training, the recruiting, the onboarding. So not only does it get very expensive for companies, and this is something that would appeal to say a CFO <laughs> saying like, oh, wow, we're really draining a lot of money here. But even for a sales leader or revenue leaders thinking about this, um, this is the number one reason why companies don't reach their revenue targets, why they don't reach their goals is because they don't have enough people um, doing the jobs and doing the jobs well when they need them to. And it's like this hiring hamster wheel uh, and it just doesn't work for anybody. Oh, I don't disagree that it's an expensive and probably uh, not the brightest strategy. However, I hear it over and over again that, you know, we just want to get the right person in the job. We don't have time to train. You know, we're on this really strict timeline for this project or whatever project. So this is how we have to do it. So you have to kind of undo that thinking, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's pervasive yeah. in, in every sense of the word. Um, it's all over. So there's a lot of things to undo. Um, not just that thinking, but the thinking of what is the right person really, right? And how do we define that? And the people that we're not even looking at, or if we're looking at them, that we're not considering them the way we should, 
because we have boxes in our mind that they need to have this, this, and this. And the reason I think they need to have this, this, and this is because uh, I've had such poor performance in the past with hiring people that I'm thinking the only solution I could have is to get them as close as possible uh, having done something that looks and feels exactly like this job, selling to this com- customer, selling to this, this type of solution. Um, and if I do that, you know, it must work out. And the reality is that it, that it still doesn't. Well, let's talk about the success of training someone who hasn't really had this experience in, a t- in the tech sector at all. They've had experience in sales. Uh, they're maybe in an industry that's not doing well right now. First of all, from their point of view, how open are people to trying something so different? And then from the company's point of view, how open are they to taking somebody who has, as you say, not the perfect background, not the exact background to match their profile? Yeah, so on the candidate or worker side of this, um, a lot of people are very, very open to doing new things. I think that more often than not, people don't realize that they actually could do it. So you may think to yourself, you know, I would love to get out of XYZ job or XYZ industry I'm in, but no one would hire me or I wouldn't be qualified for that. I wouldn't know how to do that, right? And so again, just societally, we've conditioned ourselves on both sides of the coin uh, to basically saying, hey, there are limits, there are ways that this is done and you can't just make a shift. Um, So I think that's a bigger question on the candidate side than whether or not people are open to it. Um, And then of course, more people are, are open and driven to it now because industries have been disrupted um, in, in multiple ways here through the pandemic. On the company side, um, most are not very open. Like historically, they're not very open. So what we've done with Aspireship, part of the reason the business model is unconventional in the way it is where it's free for candidates and we're making money from companies is we fundamentally believe that this type of paradigm shift only works if the company's truly bought into it. And so if they're bought into it, they'll pay for it provided that there's success that actually happens, you know, through the process. Um, If they're not bought into it, um, then they're very unlikely to pay for it, uh, in which case that even if we were lucky and we were able to, let's say, retrain some people and some company, you know, decide to hire someone, if they're not as bought in, if they don't have the ongoing, you know, learning, you know, after the fact, and they don't actually understand where these people have come from, and why they need to look at them a certain way, uh, we don't think it'll work. And so that's that's why we've approached it this way. It's interesting that you're talking about specific training in products and very job-specific things. You're not talking about the resume with a degree from a certain school. That seems to matter less now. So it does matter less. Uh, it matters a lot less, certainly the degree. Um, The resume matters a ton still, but it's more about uh, a classic example would be if a a company comes to us, let's say a software company um, that's selling some kind of, uh, you know, back office uh, software for restaurants. The traditional way they would come to, let's say, a regular recruiting firm would say, I want you to find me everybody who has sold a software product 
uh, particularly like a back office day-to-day management, you know, type product to independent restaurants. So essentially find me all the people that worked at OpenTable and Yelp and so on with two plus years of experience and send me those people or let's go poach those people. That's the normal way to do it. What if they sold something similar, but to a different industry, they go, okay, that's, that's okay. And then we say, okay, what if they sold something to the same type of customer, but not a software product, then all of a sudden it gets a little, you get further and further away from the bullseye in their mind. And that's the traditional way it's done. And so what we've done instead is we go to companies and the first thing that most will say is we need them to be in this box. That's what we need. Find us people in these boxes. We say, first of all, we don't find people. <laughs> we don't find people. We're not going out searching for you. Like you can go get a recruiting firm for that. Um, what we do instead is we're going to bring you people that are capable of doing this job through what we've measured. Um, and so the requirements get smaller and smaller if they buy into that. Most don't. And so that's why it's this kind of transformational thing. And we're having a lot of success onboarding companies and all of that stuff. Um, but, but it is a paradigm shift. And, uh, and the more and more we've seen, especially uh, so far in sales, is that people are lo- uh, companies are looking for lookalikes. The same with the way we think of like a lookalike audience in a Facebook marketing campaign, right? You know, they're looking for, all right, if they're going to do this role, I want somebody who's done this specific thing, selling to a specific type of persona. And, uh, you know, if they've done this for two years at Yelp, they must be good at it and and it's going to work. And the fact is it just doesn't. Can you give me an example of a success story where it may not have seemed on paper, this person was, you know, perfect for the industry, but it worked really well? Yeah, sure. I mean, so and overall, uh, we have a 90% retention rate, and that's compared, that's way, way above, you know, kind of industry benchmarks uh, for new sales hires uh, in this. Um, but we've taken people from everything from, depending on the level of seniority of the job, everything from a branch manager uh, at Hertz Rent-A-Car <laughs> uh, into a software sale uh, to uh, we've had a lot of people from uh, the hospitality industry uh, that uh, that did hotel sales or something like that that are now selling uh, software to realtors. Um, so completely different, you know, types of backgrounds, uh, really all over the map. Um, food and beverage sales is another one we've seen repeatedly, and typically what you see is if they haven't sold software before, the the general thought is they're probably not going to get much of a chance. And if they do, it's going to be an entry-level kind of sales development role where they don't get to really earn a lot of commission and, and really close deals and stuff like that. We've been able to We'll put a lot of people into those roles, especially those that don't have prior experience. Um, but uh, but we put a significant number of people um, directly into the account executive roles where they are closing business and earning higher incomes um, that have past sales experience in, in other industries. And that was, is not common at all in the industry. Do you buy into the argument that there's a shortage of talent? Um, I buy into the argument that there's a shortage of talent that check the boxes that recruiters and 
hiring managers are currently looking for. But the, the talent itself exists. It just has to be repurposed and remolded. Um, and by the way, I don't think this is specific to uh, just sales. I don't think it's specific to just tech sales. I, I think this is across the board. There have not been great ways for people to make these transitions um, in their careers. And more and more are coming up, but we have just barely scratched the surface here. Um, there's really a lot to do. No, I agree with you. I, I think we've done a really poor job of reskilling. And in this case, we're not even talking about reskilling, just helping people find a path from one industry with the same skills to another. Yeah, I mean, in, in our case, we are reskilling um, as well, because uh, even if it's sales to sales, um, there's still skills involved in making that translation. And so there's that. And then, of course, you know, we've talked a lot about the sales to sales migration, um, but there's also the functional migrations. Uh, we've taken uh, a software engineer uh, and uh, turned them into a, a salesperson. We've turned a marketing events director and turned them into a salesperson. We've turned a recruiter and turned them into a salesperson. So there's a, there's a ton of examples of this, but the reskilling that we know of, that we talk about, uh, of the last decade or more and the reskilling platforms, most of them are about issuing a certificate, right? There isn't the, the path forward, but we have to combine the two things. Um, and it really only works if you have companies that believe in the philosophy behind this and that will invest in it. Um, that makes it work when it's symbiotic like that. Otherwise, uh, it's a one-way street and it's, it's difficult to navigate. Okay, so you've closed one gap, or you're closing one gap in terms of labor market needs. Do you see another one? Do you have another project? Yeah, so I mean, basically the way I think about the company um, as, it, as it will grow is uh, I think it's very likely we will stay you know, zeroed in on the technology industry for a long time, um, but we will expand the functional roles. Um, so you'll see over time we'll go beyond the certain types of sales roles we're doing to other types of sales roles or sales support or sales related roles. Uh, and then we'll move beyond sales um, altogether is, is, uh, is very likely that we'll expand and we'll start serving the multiple needs that companies will have in terms of uh, helping people pivot. And it could apply way outside the technology industry as a whole. Um, but from my seat, the growth of the software industry and uh, all of that stuff uh, is a great place to be. And so I think we'll, uh, we'll stay pretty squarely focused here, um, but end up uh, having a diversity of roles that, that appeals to millions of people. What do you expect to change after the pandemic? Because this industry has been very strong all through it. I mean, the one thing that I see, we, we've seen rapid rise in remote work. Um, and we do believe that that is here to stay but not in the same proportion. So it kind of went from, I would say pre-pandemic, we would talk to companies and maybe 10% were open to remote and the other 90% wanted them in physical locations. During the pandemic, it, that flipped the other direction to about 80-20. And now we're seeing it level off where it's pretty much a straight 50-50 right now. And that's just in the last couple of months that we've seen that shift. So I think we'll shift much, much further back to, you know, uh, office work uh, being the norm 
but that there's a lot more companies that are open to remote. Uh, so that's one thing that I think that will shift. Uh, the other thing is in these certain positions that are very coveted, right, where there's a perceived talent shortage um, because people haven't been trained for it or, you know, hiring managers or recruiters aren't open to taking on people who haven't done the functional jobs before in that specific way. Um, the compensation for a lot of those roles have ballooned over the last decade, and I, I believe compensation will come down. Um, as the, the playing field will get leveled and more people will come from outside the industry to fill some of these gaps. Um, and in a good way, it'll, it'll come down to the point where it's not overinflated and can be a great, you know, great set of careers that um, any number of people can do and, and compete for, as opposed to people holding all the cards because, you know, hey, I've done this for five years and therefore I you know, must be awesome and you have to pay me tons of money. Well, that's an optimistic thought to leave it on. Corey, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Corey Kosick is the founder and CEO of Aspireship. Well, that's it for today. If you would like to know more about Corey and about Aspireship, please take a look at her show notes. You're going to find his bio as well as some links there. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did enjoy this discussion, please take a moment, leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll really help people find us and help us continue these discussions around the future of work. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a Relentless Economics production.